Well, good morning, everyone. Well, whether you're joining us here in person or online, it's good to be able to be together this morning. And uh, I, I just want to start by telling a, a little bit of a story about something that I, I realized was kind of really special about growing up. See, growing up, I, it felt like my dad knew everything about everything. I think a lot of us have that feeling about our dads. Uh, you know, dad could answer almost any question at dinner. And there was something special about my dad. My dad is a very bright man, a very smart man, and has this weird, uncanny ability to retain information that the rest of us would just forget. Like, so to the point that when he sat down at the dinner table and he said, hey, dad, I got a question, and he just named something, there was a good chance that my dad would know something about that topic and not just making it up. Like some dads feel like they just make stuff up. I never really had the sense my dad was just making stuff up. He just somehow, random tidbits of information stuck and uh, he, he was able to share that when, when it came up. Now, unfortunately, that ability to learn and to retain information was not genetic. And so the good news is though, I am parenting in the day and age of Google. Okay, which means that even though I don't know everything, I can feel like I know everything because in a very short period of time, I can Google the answer uh, to whatever question may come at me at the dinner table. Now, my kids are starting to catch on to this fact, though, uh, and to the point that they might not ask me what the answer is. They might just ask me to ask Google, or they might just bypass me in the process and go to the little Google device in our kitchen and say, hey, Google, what is the... And then they just ask their question. They don't even need me anymore. They have Google. You know, whether we go to our dads or whether we go to a Google search, the reality is that there are times in our lives uh, when we find ourselves realizing that we just don't have the answers that we need. Maybe we thought we knew what we, what we needed to know, but then circumstances happen and it makes us question if we really know what we think we need to know, what we need to know about life. Well, this summer, our teaching series is focused on the book of Proverbs as a source of wisdom that can help us navigate life. And last Sunday, Dave Patterson, he got this series off to a great start. And if you missed uh, his, his teaching, you can go find it on our website. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, he did a great job of getting us started. And he'll, as he mentioned, he's the one who's going to be wrapping up this series at the end of the summer. And so I, I would recommend going and checking out what he had to say because he got this introduced quite well. But today, we are going to be looking at some things that the book of Proverbs have to, have to say about one thing in life that sometimes causes us difficulty. We're going to be talking about money. <laughs> yeah, there you, go. Uh, you just laughed at what everybody else, you just did what everybody else was thinking. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's okay. You know, shortly after we got engaged, one of the serious conversations that Michelle and I had was regarding our finances. It was one of the, I don't know, a couple days after we got engaged, we sat down and had a conversation about our finances because one of us was good with our finances and the other one was not so good with our finances. And the decision was made that if we were going to join our lives together, then we needed to get our financial, uh, our separate finances, you know, figured out sooner than later. And to tell you the truth, conversations about finances continue to be one of the things that we probably talk about the most. And my guess is this is probably true with you too. You know, conversations about finances or thinking about finances is something that occupies a fair amount of our attention. And that's just real life though. You know, money, money is important. It determines where we live. It determines what we eat. It determines what we wear and what we can do with our time. We can't do a whole lot without money. 
And so given the role that money and finances play in our lives, it's only natural that it be something that we think about and something that we talk about. In fact, it would be kind of naive if we didn't. Now, today we're not going to get into the X's and O's of how to manage money because I am ill-equipped to guide you through that conversation. There's some great resources out there, and there's some great people even in this congregation who could give us some very good detailed helps as to, you know, how do you handle the details of our finances? But this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at some principles from the book of Proverbs and how they can shape how we understand and relate to money. Because I really do believe that we all want to have a healthy relationship with money. And so we're going to look at five lessons from the book of the Proverbs about how to have a healthy relationship with, with our money. And let me say that I recognize that there's probably some folks in this room who, who you know, you aren't really sure what you think about church, you aren't really th- sure what you think about Jesus. And let me just say, I think the principles that we're talking about, most of them can apply to you, even if you're not sure where you fit in, in terms of this faith stuff that, we, that we're about here at West Heights. Now, last week, Michelle, the boys, and I were on vacation, and here's a, here's a picture of a moment, a quiet moment early in the morning. The boys and I got up, we went to the fishing dock, and here's the two boys out fishing. Um, it was very peaceful, very serene, we very much enjoyed it. And uh, I don't know about you, but during weeks like this, there's a funny thing that happens. Early on in the first couple of days of vacation, somebody usually turns to, uh, turns to us or somebody says out loud, man, I wish, I wish that this was real life. I wish you could just do this all the time. Isaac said that, I think, first this time around. And then something happens over the course of the, the time away. At, at some point, you, you get to the point where you're like, it's time to go home now. We're just ready to go home. Get back to real life. Get back to even work. You know, we all need times where we can step back from the demands of life, but at the same time, we need to to remember that that God didn't create us to stay in vacation mode all the time. Rather, Rather, he created us to be people who are productive, people who engage in meaningful work, people who have work as a part of our lives. And this leads us into our first lesson this morning, that working for our money is, in fact, a good thing. You know, to help us see this, the writer of Proverbs tells us to follow the example of an insect. He tells us to follow the example of an ant when it comes to work, with the point being that laziness does not provide for our needs, but hard work does. In Proverbs chapter 6, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. I don't feel that. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that, but I mean, you could have like softened that a little bit, I guess. But go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways. Some of you are like, I know who that person is. Yeah. Um, Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers, gathers its food at harvest. And later we read, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. You know, one of the things that Dave said so well in, our, in the introduction last week is that Proverbs are principles and they're not promises. You know, hard work does not always result in success, but the reality is that those who work hard are more likely to be successful from a financial standpoint. You know, and, and so if we find ourselves struggling with our finances, it may be good to ask if we're actually putting in the effort needed to, to be successful at our jobs or, or elsewhere? Or are we putting in the effort to learn about what it, what it means to make the most out of what we have? See, we shouldn't just expect that things will fall into our laps, but we need to be willing to put in the work. Now, with this in mind, here's another problem for us. 
The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Hey, Owen, can you just leave that one on the screen for a couple minutes here? Because this little proverb says two important things. First, it reminds us of God's role in making our efforts productive. You know, what we get is not just because we're awesome and we have the ability to make things happen for ourselves, but it's because God's at work in this. He blesses our, our, our hard work and gives a reasonable rate of return for our efforts. But the second part is important for us to keep in mind because it emphasizes that excessive hard work does not necessarily add to the blessings God gives. You know, the real temptation is to find ourselves compelled to do more because we want more. But this proverb reminds us that this isn't necessarily how it works. And this moves us to our next lesson, that we are to remember that there's more to life than money. So on the one hand, we are, to, uh, are supposed to work hard for our money. But on the other hand, we have to keep in mind that our lives are supposed to be about more than just work and just about getting money and accumulating wealth. In fact, while we might find ourselves being able to work really, really extra hard for a season, if we don't eventually transition to a sustainable pace, the result's going to be that we burn out. And Proverbs reminds us of this. Proverbs 23, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. For surely they, they will sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. I mean, this proverb serves as a warning for, for us when we think that, hey, if we just work more, that the result will be more of what it is that we're looking for. And there may be times when, you know, we just feel like, hey, I could just do more just to get ahead, just a little, get a little further ahead. But there's the reminder here is that if we wear out, we're going to find ourselves even further behind than we started. And not only this, but there's a warning in here that puts our ideas of wealth into perspective by reminding us that wealth has a tendency to be fleeting. By definition, wealth is relative. You know what felt like a lot of money at one point in our lives doesn't feel like a whole lot of money now. Or when we compare what we have to what other people have, we find ourselves saying, oh man, there's a big gap here. Why, you know, it doesn't feel like I have enough. I thought I had enough, but now I look at those people over there and I don't feel like I have enough compared to them. In fact, no matter how much we have, we have to be careful that we don't just find ourselves saying, I just need more. I just need a little bit more. And not only that, but wealth, as we know, is subject to change. We might make a bad decision here. Maybe in one season we lose a job. Maybe there's a downturn in the economy. You know, what was ours or seemed to be ours at one point can seemingly just disappear on us, fly away at another point. Now, none of this is, to say, is not to say that we shouldn't work hard. But wisdom tells us that hard work and clear thinking go hand in hand. Proverbs 12, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. You know, the pursuit of money, or perhaps more accurately, the things that we perceive that money can get us, like comfort and security, can cause us to feel like we need just to keep pushing ourselves to our limits. But Proverbs reminds us that we need to keep things in perspective. To work hard, yeah, that's, we're supposed to work hard, but think clearly and to recognize that there's more to wealth and what wealth can get us. Think clearly about wealth and what wealth can get us. Here's something that I'm, I, I know about myself that I suspect might be true of some of the rest of us here, and that is that when there's something that I really, really want, 
that I can justify things that I might not otherwise justify. Now, I'm not talking about doing something really, really super terrible, okay? But here's an example. I can justify spending money that I don't have because the thing that I want's on sale, and it's a really good deal. <laughs> Anybody else out there kind of have that going through your mind? It's on sale. Like, we can't pass it up, right? Like, like we'd be losing money if we didn't get that, right? <laughs> I know, it sounds silly, like when you have the conversation with somebody else and they're saying that to you, you're like, that sounds ridiculous. But when you say it to somebody else, you're like, I'm the smartest person in the room. Here's the thing, as we look at the theme of money and as we look at the book of Proverbs, we are reminded of a lesson that we need to be aware of the pitfalls of money. Yeah, money can be a good thing, but there's also some things that it can cause us to to, to go wrong with. You know, as we consider what it means to have a healthy relationship with money, we need to recognize that, that greed is a toxic trait. You know, greed gives us tunnel vision and can cause us to miss out on some really good things that otherwise we might want to participate in. And greed can, can maybe even motivate us to do things that might cause harm to others, maybe even to the people that we love. Proverbs 28, the greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Or Proverbs 15, the greedy bring ruin to their households. The principle here is that greed does not result in, the good, in good things and in fact can cause harm to the people, some of the people that we love. It has that potential. I mean, how many kids don't have a relationship with one of their parents because their parents are always putting in extra time at work? Or what kind of damage happens when a member of a family gets caught up in a, in, a, in a series of bad investments and needs to get bailed out time and time again? Greed, the pursuit of wealth, can be toxic, can do harmful things to our relationships. And not only does it have the potential to harm the people we love, but it can also motivate us to mistreat others. The Proverbs warn us that our approach, our, our thinking about wealth should not include manipulating circumstances to get what we want at the expense of others. Again, I think objectively, we would say that's, that's right, we shouldn't do that. But when the moment, it's hard to see things for what they are. But Proverbs says that we, we need to be careful of this because it actually, when we're manipulating our circumstances to get what we want, it actually can put us on the wrong side of God. Proverbs 22 Do not exploit the poor because they are poor, and do not crush the needy in court, for the Lord will take up their case and will will exact life for life. You know, in other words, don't use, don't, we shouldn't use our resources to bully people to get what we can. We shouldn't be, be going against people who can't defend themselves because we want something. Or Proverbs 23, do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless. You know, don't manipulate the circumstances. Don't change the rules of the game. You know, literally here we have somebody who's like, well, your field's this big and I would like to have more of it, so I'm just going to move the fence so you have less and I can have more and I'm going to earn more because of what I have and you're going to earn less. Don't manipulate circumstances to, to get what you want and harm other people in the process for their defender is strong and he will take up their case against you. I recently read a story about an uptick of rent evictions in Waterloo Region. And a rent eviction is, is when the place that you are renting undergoes a necessary uh, renovation. But when you return, the rent has been increased to the point that you can no longer afford the place that you previously were living in. 
Now, I do have a certain level of sympathy to those who are, who are building owners because we know that over the past couple years, everything costs more, including uh, owning a building. Um, but there is something about how these things are going down that feels icky. And we know it's causing real harm to people who can't afford to keep up. Now, I'm not sure what the solution is here, but I think what we need to keep in mind is that God cares way more about how we treat people, especially vulnerable people, than he does about our bank accounts. You know, the, the statement, it's just business, doesn't cut it with God. And we can't lose sight of that. Now, here's one last pitfall that I think we need to keep in mind as we talk about money, and that is debt. You know, sometimes, sometimes debt is unavoidable. The reality is given how life is right now, few of us can afford to go to school, go to university or college or buy a home with cash and pay cash anymore. That may have been true at one point in time. That's just not true anymore, especially for those folks who are just starting out. That said, it's important for us to have a healthy suspicion of debt. I mean, if you need to take out a loan for an important purchase, make sure that you have a plan to, to pay it back. Don't max out credit cards with money that we don't have. Proverbs puts it this way. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. You know, regardless of how much money or, or we make or how, how hard we work, debt is always going to be a limiting factor to our financial goals and to our lives. You know, when we have debt, we don't have the freedom that we want. We don't have the freedom to do what we want to do. We always are kind of tied to needing to, 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 to meet the, the deadlines and the goals of paying off our debt. Somebody else then has a say over our lives. And so we ought to have a healthy suspicion of debt. One of the projects that I'm working on this summer is to get a, a better handle on our household finances because we know that we need to do better. And so this week I sat down and I began to work with a piece of budgeting software to create a household budget. And as I'm working on this, there's these little prompts, these little handy-dandy prompts that pop up that are asking about some goals. Would you like to set some goals? Yes, we would. And uh, some of the goals are like for savings. Yes, we'd like to save. Yes. There's a vacation. Yes, we'd like to save for a vacation. That's great. Would you like to save for Christmas presents? Christmas, by the way, is 169 days away. Um, <laughs> some of us are like, oh. Uh, so I'm like... Yes, we should save for Christmas presents. I don't know. Uh, but then there was something, there was a prompt there that I, I, I wasn't prepared to see because it asked if we would like to set a goal for giving money away to charity. And to be honest, I wasn't thinking that way when I sat down to do this budget. I was thinking, oh, I'm figuring out how we can manage our money for us. But this is a prompt here that helps me remember something that, it's a, that comes from, that we see in the book of Proverbs, that we are invited to think about how we use our resources and we are to remember to use our money to help others. And in saying this, we, just, we need to remember that there are few things that are closer to God's heart than generosity. In Proverbs 14, it says, It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. You know, to despise someone is to fail to recognize that the person in question has been made in God's image and is somebody who God loves and whom God has hopes and dreams for. And so it's God's expectation. It is God's expectation that we would learn to honor others that bear his image because everybody bears his image. We are, his expectation for us is that we will be honoring the image of God in others. And one of the ways that we do this is through acts of kindness. And Proverbs here, this proverb here directs us towards people who have needs. 
Interestingly, the verse before this that we didn't read talks about how the poor are often shunned. And so in response, we are invited to experience God's blessings as we use what we have to provide various, various types of assistance to those who have needs. Proverbs 19, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. You know, a a person who is kind to the poor, possibly giving assistance to them, providing them a loan or buying them groceries, whatever. The author of Proverbs is saying that what they are doing is actually lending to God. They're actually serving God in the process. See, the way that we relate to those who are disadvantaged, the way that we use our means to, to meet the needs of those who are disadvantaged is a part of how we relate to God and how we express our love to him. See, what we have isn't just for us, but it's a part of how we express our connection to God and our commitment to his mission. And so for some of us, the next step in, in developing a, a healthy relationship with, with money is to revisit our patterns of giving. You know, is, there a prior, is this a priority that we see in how we plan and how we use our money? You know, we, we could give through supporting the mission of this church, as Cindy already talked about this morning. We could be maybe sponsoring a child uh, through one of those wonderful organizations that do this. We could be giving money to support the food bank or other things that are, are giving support uh, to some good work in our region. We could be having somebody in our lives, whether it be a family member or a friend, that we are supporting financially and otherwise. We don't need a tax receipt to do what is good and to use our means to 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 support, help others. But the question is, how are we using our money to help others? That question, answering that question is a part of developing a healthy relationship with wealth, a healthy relationship with our finances. Because it turns the attention off of us and helps us see that the world is bigger than we often assume that it is. And that we can do something, we can do something to, to, to help We can do something to meet some real needs. The last lesson that we're going to look at this morning is that trusting God helps keep things in perspective. You know, as we think about money and as we're thinking about how do we have a healthy relationship with our wealth, it would be unwise for us to ignore the spiritual side of things. You and I, we are spiritual beings and the state of our hearts really does shape our attitudes and our actions. And when it comes to money, we ought to keep in mind that how we think about and how we handle our money is often a reflection of our spiritual state. Proverbs chapter 11 says this, Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. You know, as we've noted, there are some pitfalls when it comes to money. And one of them is the inherent temptation to trust in our wealth or to trust in our ability to earn wealth rather than to trust in God. Again, most of us would never say, I'm trusting in my money instead of God. But functionally, that that can creep in. The reality is that when we put our trust in money, no matter how little or how much we have, the result can be worry, fear, overwork, the temptation to make concessions in our morals or, or to find ourselves treating others unjustly. In short, when money becomes our focus, the thing, it, 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 when it becomes the thing that we're ultimately trusting, we're going to realize in time that it can't carry, it can't bury the, the weight, of, weight of life when things get tough. It can't meet our needs, what it is that we're really looking for. 
That said, this proverb says that it's the righteous, that is, those who are looking to God and are, and are committed to God's ways, that the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. You know, in Scripture, a green leaf is a frequent metaphor for good health, for stability, for vitality, for prosperity. See, for the righteous, they understand that wealth is not their, goal, their end goal. Instead, they are placing their, tr- their trust in God and in doing so are finding what it is that their hearts are truly looking for. I'm going to read one last proverb this morning and I feel like this one could probably be read at, it during every message that we do over the course of this series. So um, you, you might hear this again. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't need to work hard. It doesn't mean that we don't need to be smart with our money. We've, we've talked about this already. But trusting, but trusting God and allowing him to guide our paths is what motivates and empowers us to go in how we go about generating and using our wealth. When we place trusting God and allowing him to guide us, it gives shape to what it is that we do. It changes the way that we think. It inspires us to, to act in certain ways. And when we, when we trust him and when we walk in his paths, when we, when we are looking to him to guide us, one of the results is that things might just be a little bit clearer than they were before. You know, we often want things to be crystal clear, but... When we're looking at God and saying, hey, God, what is, what is important to you? How would you, what do you think about this? The result is a little bit more clarity. You know, enough clarity to take a next step. And then to ask again, where do we go from here? Take the, take the next step. If I keep going, I'm going to fall off, Grace. I don't want to do that. You know, I wonder if I asked, uh, if I went, we went around and I asked us to define our relationship with our money, I wonder if some of us might say, eh, it's a little complicated. I wonder if that might be some of our, our, our answers. You know, no doubt there are some things that we feel really good about, like we understand some things really well. Um, there's some things that we know what to do and when to do them. We've had that figured out from experience, from working with other people. But, but there would also be some things that we just really don't understand. And if we're being honest, uh, there would be some things that I think we might be able to admit we aren't thinking very clearly about either. You know, there's some things that have just kind of gotten away from us, aren't there? You know, while we sometimes wish that the Bible would give us a chapter and verse that would magically fix all of our problems for us, it usually doesn't. But what the Bible often does for us is to give us new ways of thinking about our circumstances and challenging our hearts on certain things. You know, as we read through the book of Proverbs, I think the book of Proverbs can challenge the way that we think and, ins- and invite us to, to, to have our hearts reoriented when it comes to our relationship with our money. And so I'm wondering if some of these lessons for some of us might be things that we just need to sit with and reflect on. Again, one of the things that, that Dave noted in the message in the teaching time last week is that, you know, one of the things, that, the takeaways is to actually sit with these things, not just read these verses and just kind of let them skim over and be like, oh, I read it, done. But the, the wisdom of Proverbs comes when we sit with things and we let them kind of like um, marinate, our souls marinate and our, our thinking. We just kind of let them sit and we kind of like swish it around a little bit and like try it on and repeat things here and there. Because in that, there's some heart formation work that takes place. 
And our thinking and our approaches and our plans might start to take a different shape than what they did before. And so my hope is that you'll take our sermon notes and you can find them online and maybe you've written a couple verses down uh, this morning, is that you will find one or two this week that you might just reflect on. You might write out a few times, stick it on your fridge, maybe have it on your phone, that you might just find yourself reflecting on them and, and, and in doing so, find yourself growing a, a new and perhaps a healthier relationship with our money. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for today. And Lord, for the opportunity to come together and to worship and to laugh and to learn. And just to be together, Lord, is good. We acknowledge your presence here with us, God. And Lord, I just pray that this, that, uh, that we would be open to how you are speaking to us or how you have been speaking to us in this time. Lord, would there be a, a line from a song that sticks that as we go into the week ahead, that there would be something that just kind of keeps going through our minds and pops up at key situations that helps us to see you and to get a sense of your direction and your presence in a moment. And Lord, as we go about our weeks and pull out our wallets from time to time, as we sit down and, and think about our money as we as this week, God, we ask that some of the th- stuff that we've talked about will, will come forward. Lord, that you will challenge our thinking and, Lord, help us to think about our approach to money from a new perspective, perhaps. Lord, ultimately, for those of us who are following you, we want to honor you. We want to do what is right. We want to be, be people who are a part of your mission and are a part of this great thing that you are doing here and around the world. And so, God, this morning we ask that you would lead us, we ask that you would guide us, we ask that you would just center our thoughts and our minds and our hearts on you in all things. In your name we pray, amen.